Hello. It's July 10th, 2023. My name is Simone, and this is 90s Crime Time. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of 90s Crime Time. And if you're new to 90s Crime Time, welcome to the show. I hope you all have had a great week so far, even though it's just Monday and are looking forward to the rest of your week leading into a great weekend, hopefully. And this episode is sort of a special edition episode, even though I didn't preface it before, but it's sort of a special edition episode because, well, if you followed along with 90s Crime Time for a while, you'll know that during my birthday week, which was back on the 25th of June, I like to do episodes that talk about love gone wrong. And today's episode is about just that. But it's a little different than the other typical episodes, and it's in a slightly different format because I do not have a lot on the victims' backgrounds and upbringings, but I do feel this case is still interesting enough no matter the background. Lastly, I'll go ahead and warn you that today's case has to deal with aspects of domestic violence, so listener's discretion is advised, and please make sure you listen to all the way... Listen all the way until the end for some announcements. And with that, let's dive in to today's case. The year was 1991, and in the beautiful and serene city of Honolulu, Hawaii, Many people lived by the state's motto, which states, quote-unquote, the life of the land is perpetuated in righteousness. Here in Honolulu, a report states many visitors love to be here because of the city's tropical climate, rich natural scenery, and extensive beaches, and for the fact that they felt many locals were very friendly. Meanwhile, many locals here like to spend lots of time with their families, and according to many who grew up here, many liked to celebrate with their families all year round during different Hawaiian holidays. Many parents taught their children to enjoy what their beautiful city and state had to offer, and many families here liked for their children and their families as a whole to be friendly and loving to one another. However, in 1991, one man was not in the mood to be friendly and loving to his family or anyone else. He was angry at the world after a series of misfortunes, and once he had enough, he would spread malice in a ghastly way and have people wondering why. In the following case, you'll find out who this man was, what he did, and the aftermath 
in a case I title, Paradise Lost. On the evening of Saturday, August 24, 1991, 14-year-old Orlando Ganal Jr., who went by his nickname Junjun, was at a crossroads. For the past few years, he had witnessed his parents go through marital disputes year after year, and many times their disputes would turn into straight-up screaming matches, and many times he felt his parents were making him a pawn in their fights. His parents would break up and then get back together and then break up again, and it remained this way for several years. Until his mother Mabel left his father apparently for good months earlier in April 1991. But after she left, the Ganal household remained hostile with June June seeking out any refuge he could until hopefully his parents came to a peaceful agreement after divorce. However, by August 24th, things had gotten so bad with his parents that June June decided to escape the fighting between his parents and ran away. He called his girlfriend, and together they fled and spent some time around Honolulu for several hours. Meanwhile, since the last argument with her estranged husband, Mabel became frantic about her son. After all, June June was very young and out there somewhere. But where was he? And even though Mabel kept arguing with her husband, she left his home and asked a neighbor for a ride to try and find June June. However, Mabel would periodically call her husband to see if June June had come back home, or if he had seen him. And after he said he hadn't, Mabel continued on into the night to find her son. It's unclear where he went for the next several hours, but by 7 p.m. on the 25th, June June and his girlfriend went to the home of Eridina and Santiago de la Cruz, his mother's parents. Junjun's mother had already been staying there since she separated from his father. And also living there was her brother Diego, Diego's wife, and their child. Later that evening, Junjun's girlfriend left, and Mabel eventually showed up at the house finally seeing her son. However, she told him to call his father to pick him up, maybe because she was upset with him running away or maybe because she wanted him to know that June June was okay. But when June June called his father to pick him up, he and his father argued and his father refused to get him. Reports state that after they argued, Mabel surprisingly called her estranged husband to apologize for June June's behavior. But he cursed her out and Mabel told him before she hung up, quote unquote, I'll see you in court. 
After Mabel and June June joined the rest of the family for dinner and TV time, they all went to bed and everything now seemed to be calm. However, hours later, at around 11.05 p.m., Mabel, who was sleeping on the sofa near the main entrance, heard some loud thumps coming from the door, as if someone was trying to come in. Because she had been sleeping, Mabel was a little disoriented, but when her mind became clearer, she realized she was staring down the barrel of a gun. Shocked, Mabel tried to get away, but as she did, she was shot along the side of her head. Despite this, she managed to get off the sofa and tried to call her father and brother for help. But the gunman repeatedly hit and kicked her until her father Santiago came out of his bedroom to see what the commotion was. But when he did, Santiago de la Cruz was shot in his chest as he was coming down the stairs. But Mabel still needed help, and this time she called out to June June for help. He had been sleeping at another part of the house, but he eventually woke up to his mother's screams and went towards the disturbance. When June June got there, the gunman shot June June in his mouth. Eridina de la Cruz, the matriarch, eventually came out of the bedroom to the carnage, and when she did, the gunman shot and killed her near the sofa. By this point, the gunman was not stopping, but in another bedroom, Mabel's brother Diego heard the shots and someone pounding on his bedroom door, along with the sounds of his father moaning and Mabel screaming. Before he left the bedroom to see what was going on, Diego sensed danger, of course, and quickly escorted his wife and child out of the window, trying to get them to safety. Diego then crawled back inside through the window and witnessed the bloodbath, but didn't see the gunman. However, neighbors of the De La Cruzes heard the loud shots and commotion and they witnessed a man with a gun wearing dark clothing and reloading. But the man eventually left in his truck, and the neighbors called police. Meanwhile, 30 minutes away from the De La Cruz home, married couple Michael and Wendy Touchette, who were 31 and 27 respectively, were just winding down from a very busy Sunday. They had spent that morning at church, and after, Michael was supposed to go counsel fellow Mormon church members, but decided against it so he could join his wife and their two children at a neighbor's birthday luau. The family came back home around 8 p.m. that evening, 
And during that night, they received a phone call. But when Michael answered and kept saying hello over and over to get a response, he hung up after getting no answer. And eventually the family went to sleep. However, around 12 a.m. on the 26th, neighbors of the Tichettes noticed something scary coming from their property. Their home was on fire and looked as if it exploded. Reports state at least one of the neighbors heard Wendy screaming, quote-unquote, Help! Help! My baby! Followed by what sounded like children screaming. Other neighbors called 911, and some went towards the engulfed home trying to help the family inside. Meanwhile, inside the home, Wendy, panicked by the fire, noticed that her bedroom was completely burning. And to her horror, noticed that her husband Michael was on fire. He was yelling in pain and said repeatedly, quote, unquote, He's here. When Wendy asked who he was talking about, Michael told her, quote unquote, Orlando, followed by, get out. But before Wendy could respond to Michael, she noticed that she herself was on fire. The couple and their two children were all sleeping in the same bedroom, and Wendy tried unsuccessfully to get to the bathroom from some water, but the fire was too hot. Reports state Michael and Wendy struggled to get out of the house, but could not open the front door because it was somehow locked from the outside. Wendy managed to reach the kitchen door, where someone, possibly a neighbor or emergency worker, pulled her out. When she got outside, Michael was eventually pulled out alive as well, and they both tried to tell emergency personnel that their babies, two-year-old Kayla and 10-month-old Joshua were still inside. But soon after, Wendy and Michael were rushed to the hospital. As firefighters fanned out the flames, they determined that the fire was started intentionally with a liquid accelerant, probably gasoline, and that one fire was started in the bedroom and one in the living room. And in the bedroom, after the smoke cleared, Firefighters found the deceased bodies of the Touchette children, Kayla and Joshua, and they had burned to death. As the investigation continued, back at the De La Cruz home, Diego, the only one besides his wife and child not harmed, tried his best to save the family. He noticed his mother, Eridinia, was mortally wounded, not moving but his father Santiago was reaching out to him for help. All Diego could do was wait until emergency services arrived. When they did, they pronounced Eridinia dead at the scene, but Santiago, Mabel, and Junjun were still alive. They were all rushed to the hospital, but Santiago died shortly after arriving. But as emergency personnel and detectives were investigating the De La Cruz and Touchette deaths, along with the arson, they had one more disturbance that caught them off guard that evening. Around 12.30 a.m., 
a security guard at the Young Laundry Dry Cleaners and Laundromat, was on patrol when they discovered a fire burning on the second floor of the building. Since the cleaners operated 24 hours a day, the guard and manager had to make sure customers were safe. But luckily, the building's sprinkler system extinguished the fire before anyone got hurt. However, when firefighters investigated, they discovered that this fire as well was deliberately started with a combustible liquid. Reports also added that the burn patterns suggested that the combustible liquid was poured towards the back exit where they found a gas can that they suspected contained the accelerant. The firemen and police at the scene took the gas can, and since that night had been chaotic with random murders and two fires around the area, detectives thought that all three crimes were more than likely connected. So they took the gas can to June June and Mabel, who were still alive and recovering in the hospital after being shot, to see if they recognized this gas can since they believed the killers of the De La Cruzes also set the fires. They didn't go to Wendy or Michael since they were too severely burned to be questioned. So when they went to Mabel and June June, they confirmed that the gas can found at Young Laundry belonged to Mabel's estranged husband and June June's father, Orlando Gunnell Jr. With this confirmation, detectives went to Orlando's property to question him, but he was not home. But they did find a tenant of his, and he too confirmed that the gas can was Orlando Sr.'s. And when they searched Orlando's property, they saw no gas can, meaning more than likely, Orlando was responsible for the murders and fires. But where was he? Well, while Honolulu police were on the lookout for Orlando, officers Robert Burns and George Clark were on patrol when they recognized a license plate on a truck driving by around 6 a.m. And it matched Orlando's vehicle. Reports state Officer Burns and Clark followed him as Orlando drove home. And once they all got to his property, they shouted for Orlando to stop and put his hands up. They then approached Orlando, who was still in his truck, and they had their guns drawn on him. And they could not see Orlando's left hand because he kept it in the truck at all times. Reports then stated, quote, Fearing for their safety, the officers instructed Orlando to lie face down on the ground, but Orlando would not comply. Burns and Clark moved in closer and grabbed Orlando's left hand. Orlando resisted by yelling, kicking, and swinging his arms, refusing to be placed in a prone position on the ground. The officers swept Gnau's feet out from under him, placed him in handcuffs, and informed him that he was under arrest for murder. End quote. Minutes later, at approximately 6.40 a.m., detectives arrived at the scene of the arrest. By that time, Orlando had been moved to a police vehicle. 
Detectives informed Orlando that they were investigating a murder and that a shooting had occurred at Orlando's mother-in-law's house, and he sought to obtain Orlando's cooperation in filling out a consent-to-search form for Orlando's truck. Orlando agreed to the search, and the search of Orlando's truck revealed one spent shell, which subsequently was determined to match shells recovered at the Daily Cruise and to shed houses. And after the search, Orlando was whisked away to jail, where he was held on $1.5 million bail. And as the investigation into Orlando's crimes continued, police wondered, who exactly was Orlando Gunnell Sr.? Well, reports state Orlando Ganao Sr. was born in 1954 in the Philippines and immigrated to Hawaii in 1970. He married a woman shortly after arriving to his new home and welcomed a child with her, but their marriage ended in just two years. Then, Orlando Sr. met Mabel, who was also a recent divorcee, and had also immigrated from the Philippines, but in 1971. Orlando Sr. and Mabel married in 1974 and eventually welcomed Orlando Ganell Jr., a.k.a. June June. But reports add that their marriage was often very hostile. They would always fight and separate several times, and they would accuse each other of threats and violence. It went on for years until early 1991, when Mabel was working a part-time job at a microfilm company, and the now 35-year-old Mabel met a 28-year-old New York native named David Touchette. David Touchette first came to Hawaii in early 1991 just to visit his brother Michael and Michael's family. However, he came to love Honolulu and soon moved in with Michael, Wendy, and the children. David also picked up a part-time job, and at this job, he met Mabel. Reports state that there was an almost immediate attraction, and the two began to flirt. Mabel knew she had a husband back home, but she was always tired of the tension with Orlando Sr., and wanted to try someone new. So shortly after the two met, Mabel and David had an affair. However, by this point, Mabel still lived with her husband. But just a few weeks after her affair started, she and June June moved into her parents' home. After she left, Mabel and Orlando Sr. would continue to fight over custody of June June and money. Reports also state that Mabel would allegedly tell Orlando that David was better than him and how he was a loser. Orlando rebutted and told Mabel that she was turning their son against him and how heartbroken he was that she moved out and was having an affair. 
Also, Orlando somehow got a hold of the Touchette's phone number and frequently called David to find out about the affair and to see if Mabel was there. Meanwhile, even though Michael liked that one of his brothers, David, was living with him, he and Wendy did not approve of his affair with the married Mabel. They also didn't like that Mabel's husband got their number somehow. And even worse, after speaking to David for weeks, Orlando started to threaten him. After the threats, David was nervous and decided to move back to the mainland settling in Colorado. But he frequently paid for Mabel to visit him. And reports alleged Mabel would continue to throw the affair in Orlando's face. By February 1991, after reeling from his wife's affair and separation, even worse for Orlando Sr., is that on February 15th, he injured his back while working as a delivery driver at Young's Laundry. Due to this, Orlando was unable to work. And even worse, he was denied for obtaining workers' compensation. By now, Orlando was jobless, going broke, and pretty much lost his wife to another man. It all became too much. Months went by without a job and arguing with his wife, and by August 1991, reports state Orlando, quote-unquote, blacked out. By August 24th, after one last argument with Mabel, he decided to take his revenge on Mabel's entire family and killed his parents-in-law and tried to kill his son, who he felt was taking his mother's side and his wife for betraying him. He then lit the Touchette's home on fire because he thought David was still living there, but instead it killed little Kayla and Joshua and severely burned Michael and Wendy. He also lit Young Laundry on fire because he was angry his employer would not give him workers' comp after his injury. After learning all these details and gathering enough evidence against him, a few days after the crimes on August 29, 1991, a grand jury returned a five-count indictment against Orlando Ganell Sr., which included murder in the first degree, attempted murder in the first degree, possession, use or threat to use a firearm in the commission of a felony, terroristic threatening in the first degree, and criminal property damage in the first degree. After he was arraigned, a judge revoked Orlando's bail. Fast forwarding to September 23, 1991, almost a month after Orlando set fire to his home, Michael Touchette passed away from his injuries. And reports state he officially passed away from his second and third degree burns that covered 80 to 85% of his body, 
as well as kidney failure and burn wound infections, adding the list of Orlando Sr.'s victims to five. And while Orlando was in jail awaiting his trial, a report stated shockingly that after Mabel and Junjun recovered, they made a request to the judge asking them to let Orlando out while he awaited trial because they said he was no longer a threat to society. But the judge denied their request. By March 1, 1993, Orlando's trial began. The lead prosecutor in the case said Orlando was on a quote-unquote path of death and destruction, leaving five people dead. But the lead defense attorney claimed that it was all because Mabel laughed at him and told Orlando, quote-unquote, I'll see you in court, and that Orlando had been so overwhelmed by months of stress and strife that he no longer had the strength to hold in his turmoil. And lastly, in their opening arguments, they recommended that Orlando be convicted of the lesser charges of manslaughter and attempted manslaughter only. Reports state that during his attorney's opening statements, Orlando sobbed at least twice. By March 18th, Mabel testified and said she didn't see who shot her and her family, because whoever it was kept kicking her and she was disoriented and that it was too dark in the room to see. When pressed further by prosecutors about if she felt Orlando was guilty, she said she simply didn't know. During her testimony, Orlando sobbed as well. But a few days later on March 23rd, Orlando's tears turned to anger when David Touchette testified. David said that Orlando repeatedly threatened him over the phone and said Orlando threatened to burn down his workplace. This angered Orlando, and reports stated he lashed out and said to David, quote-unquote, You effing liar. I never said anything like that. The outburst startled the court so much that many in the jury had to take a break, and Orlando had to be physically restrained and dragged from the court. When everything went back to normal, David continued his testimony, and he said he and Mabel fell in love, but added, quote, I never dreamed in my wildest imagination that someone could be in so much self-pity that he would kill innocent people, end quote. The day after, Wendy Touchette, Michael's widow, who was left badly scarred and disfigured from her burns, testified that after the blaze was started, the house was red. She said Michael was screaming, get out, and that he was trying to get the fire out, but he couldn't. She then added that she never saw her husband and children again after the blaze, and was only told of their deaths after she had somewhere recovered in the hospital. Two days later, on the 31st, Orlando testified and said he was angry and hurt by Mabel's affair and her leaving him and also because of his lack of work due to being injured. 
He even added that he snapped after Mabel compared his and David's lovemaking skills, and even while they were making love themselves. However, on April 7, 1993, the jury still found Orlando Ganau Sr. guilty of all charges. And a week later, Orlando was sentenced to mandatory life without parole. But reports state that due to Hawaii law, the governor still had authority to change sentencing after an inmate had served at least 20 years. On April 8th, the jury foreman told a local newspaper as to why the jury found him guilty and did not recommend a lesser sentence by saying of Orlando, quote, He allowed these things to build up. When people go through these kinds of things, you kind of fantasize what you'd like to do to the people who are hurting you. But most of us don't go through with it. Essentially, he did. End quote. Orlando Ganal Sr. remains in custody. The story of the August 1991 Honolulu murders and arsons comes from the sources of the Honolulu Advertiser, the Honolulu Star Bulletin, the Baltimore Sun, and others I'll put in the notes. All right, so I'm going to say a few quick things about what I think about this trial. It's not going to be long at all. I only have a few things to say. Um, But the first one for me is that I don't think any of this is Mabel's fault. Okay, if she did apparently have an affair, so do millions of people. But many people don't just snap like Orlando Sr. did, killing innocent people, lighting houses on fire, lighting workplaces on fire. And I understand he was going through a lot with Mabel apparently having an affair with David and leaving him after, you know, fights for decades and all this stuff. And he injured him. He injured. He got injured. Excuse me. He was injured on the job and couldn't get workers comp. I've been through that. Not like I haven't injured my back or anything, but I did get burned at a coffee shop I worked at and I got refused uh, workers comp. And I was really bothered by that. But you know, life went on. And I know that the injury accumulating with the uh, impending divorce was too much to handle. But I think what Orlando did was obviously unnecessary. Michael and Wendy and the children didn't do anything to him. And he was so clueless that he didn't even realize that David, Michael's brother, no longer lived there. He was not even in Hawaii anymore. Like, what the heck? Like, He was no longer there and he shot his own son in the face because he apparently took his mother's side and he tried to kill Mabel and he killed her parents. Like what the heck? And and I know the defense attorneys had to, you know, protect their client and um, represent their client. I know they have to do some things to BS the jury and come up with all these excuses, but come on now. They, they went to court and opening statements and asked the jury for Max, manslaughter and attempted manslaughter like no no this man deserves the max in my opinion he killed innocent people the babies burned to death 
Michael pretty much burned to death. You know, he suffered. Wendy suffered. Wendy's disfigured now, even though apparently I've read she's had a lot of plastic surgery, but it's not the same as she was before, which, you know, we I get that. But it's all because of Orlando Ganell Sr. and his his insanity. And, you know, if I was going to come up with something in, in, in a, for a jury, I wouldn't I would probably come up with an insanity defense, you know, or something like that, but not manslaughter. Like, what the heck? I, I just don't think that was appropriate. I think, you know, he deserved the max, which, he, what is, which is what he got. And um, I read on his inmate record, um, he's still in custody, but in another state. And I don't know what that means. I don't know. Well, I know what it means. He's not in Hawaii, apparently. But I don't know where he is. But I'm I'm 99.9% sure that I saw Orlando Ganell Sr., the correct one, on the inmate search for Hawaii. And um, uh, I do believe he is where he belongs. I'm glad the governor apparently did not give him a lighter sentence or release him after 20 years. I'm very glad for that. I do think all these victims were innocent. Um, And yeah, I mean, Mabel should not have had the affair, but it was not her fault, like I said, that he committed all these crimes. And I don't know why Orlando divorced in the first place back in the 70s, but I don't know if they had a lot of fights and arguments. I just don't know. But apparently he tried with Mabel and Mabel apparently broke his heart and he snapped. And um, yeah, let me know what you think about this case in the comments um, on Instagram, because I will be putting up a summary on Instagram, 90s Crime Times Instagram. And that's it. Thank you for tuning in to this brand new episode of 90s Crime Time, and I hope you found this episode interesting. And you are in luck because I'm currently working on an episode uh, to be coming out in the next few days, and I can't wait for you to listen to that episode coming up as well. Um, It's going to be a little shorter. Um, I know that for a fact because it's a case that I found out about a few weeks ago, and I thought it was kind of interesting yet sad, and it's a missing persons case, and it's just very intense to me and I can't wait for you to listen and tell me what you think about that case as well and as far as an announcement um, like I mentioned quite a few times in the past yes I have been doing the show for a while but I know it's not the perfect show not the most perfect show and I'm still trying to learn new things and make it better But, you know, I always take constructive criticism well. Just don't go too hard on me, guys, please. Uh, Please don't. And, um, yeah, that's it. Um, Also, well, let me go backtrack. Um, I've been delayed with making new episodes. I'm always delayed. I know if you've been rocking with me in 90s crime time since forever, you know that my life gets in the way a lot of times, but I still try to bring you content you all deserve um, because my mother is again sick and um, she comes first. I'm just going to be honest. Um, I had to care for her, my only child. I love her very much and she comes first and um, I'm hoping that I can continue to do 90s crime time on a on a um, recurrent basis in a timely manner because I do want to get you all the 90s crime you deserve to hear about. Not for fun, but, you know, interesting cases that I didn't really know about like this one. Um, but like I said, I do want to let you all know that my mom is sick again um, and I do have to care for her. Um, it's not as bad as it was, but, you know. Like I said, she still comes first and I'm her caregiver and I will try my best to can 
continue 90s crime time on a regular basis and schedule. Like I plan to have one out in a few days, a mini-sode. And um, I hope you uh, tune in for that. Um, Also, if you know that I also have a GoFundMe for my mom's health, if you'd like to donate, you don't have to. It's not mandatory at all. Just if you'd like to, it's on the 90s Crime Time official Instagram page and a link in the bio. And I'll also put it in the show notes. Um, If you do donate and you let me know by email or uh, um, DM, just let me know your name and um, I'll shout you out on the show. Um, also, if you don't donate, I'll still shout you out if you'd like a shout out just for being a supporter and just for being you. I do love you guys and all your support. And I'm so glad that you have tuned into 90s Crime Time. I really, really do. And um, with that, stay safe and healthy. And I'll see you soon in a few days, hopefully, for a brand new special episode of 90s Crime Time.